Good morning, church. So glad that you're here with us. Um, I'll be continuing our sermon series called Into the Deep as we've been looking at the book of Jonah. And really, the last couple of weeks, we've kind of been expanding, expounding on what God is trying to teach us through this book. Today, I'll be reading from Jonah chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me or you can watch the screen and the scripture will be there as well. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. Um, this is what it says. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became very angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? That is the reading of the word. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever been angry for maybe the wrong reason or angry um, um, uh, in a way that was just so unnecessary. Um, sometimes, um, I, at least when I was younger, I would blow out in anger or rage because I didn't get what I wanted um, or because I feel like I was mistreated. I would just blow out in anger and it was just so unnecessary like why are you so angry or sometimes I would get um when we were first married or you know just is just silly uh I, I you know my wife she bakes like amazing cookies and um sometimes she doesn't bake enough and I'm like why didn't you bake enough cookies for me I'll get so angry and then she would tell me well there's a whole batch in the fr fridge we can make more it's not that serious uh, right? Sometimes we get angry for the wrong reason. And I think that's exactly what's happening here with Jonah. He gets angry because God had taken away, um, uh, had, had, had decided to have compassion on the people of Nineveh. Um, last week, right, uh, Devlin talked about um, the, the Jonah coming to Nineveh and uh, proclaiming God's message to them. And then they actually received this message and uh, decided to repent and turn to God. And God, God now seeing this has, uh, has compassion on them and decide not to um, uh, pour out his wrath or destruction upon them. And Jonah's angry about this. He is livid, absolutely livid, that God would um, renege on what he thought he said he was going to do. He expected God's judgment on the wicked people of Assyria and the wicked people of Nineveh. He expected death upon this people because he, he thought for himself, well, they deserve God's justice, therefore they deserve to die. but that's not what ends up happening. God has 
um, decide, relented, and had compassion on these people. And yet, Jonah is upset about this. And that's why God asks this probing question to him. Is it right for you to be angry? God asked, poses um, this question to him to challenge his own preconceived notions of God's justice. To give him a deeper picture to God's character. Because what we learn from this text is that God's um, justice and compassion is both encapsulated by truth, the truth of his word, the truth, and also love. It's truth and love. Jonah, so, but, but and for, for Jonah, he's angry because of God's love. He's angry because he thought truth would bring destruction. But having this limited view of God's justice and compassion, he then see that actually God's justice and compassion also involves his love. Again, his rage is juxtaposed by God's love. Um, his outrage is, is, is contrasted by God's compassion. His vile disdain for, this, for the people of Nineveh is contrasted by God's grace for them. And I think that's often true of us as well. That even the way we treat others, coworkers, friends, spouses, people around us, we, we are so, yeah, we, we're so concerned about truth sharing truth, um, but we often lack love. Because we have a limited view of God's justice and compassion. We can treat others around us in a way, sometimes we often treat them in a way that is demeaning and dehumanizing. We can treat them in a ways as if they're not deserving of any form of grace. And sometimes we do this by, um, by yelling at each other. If you've, if you've been married, maybe when you're newly married, that's something that happens. You, first year, just getting to know each other, you know, yelling. <laughs> that's what happened. First year of our marriage, yelling at each other. Sometimes it's with your roommates, yelling at each other because you guys had a disagreement or you feel mistreated. Rage against one another. Oftentimes, it could be just a passive detachment. It doesn't even have to be loud. It doesn't have to be um, this big um, uh, event. It could just be a passive detachment. It could be just this cold shoulder that you might have for, one another, for, for someone else, that or you, you have towards someone else. Because we think they're um, they are not deserving of any form of grace. But yet what we see here, what we see by God's actions, what we learn about God's, God's character, that he is a God of truth. He's also a God of love. 
this justice and compassion is, is, is encapsulated by truth and love. You know, the, the events of this past week should really fill us with anger. This is, uh, this is the, the, uh, a reason for us to have, this is justification for us to be angry, right? Because any kind of injustice against one another, any kind of exploitation against anyone should make us angry. This is justified. Right? Throughout the pandemic, we've seen the, the rise in hate and violence against our Asian American brothers and sisters. We've seen it in the news. Some of us know friends or family members that, that may have experienced this. And this is just a symptom, right? We know this, a symptom of the roots of racism in this country. We know the history of this country is littered with an ideology that elevates whiteness, that elevates um, uh, 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 a people over the other. And we should be angry about this. We should voice our concerns about this. We should proclaim the truth of these injustices. Right? We proclaim the truth. Right? This requires truth telling to our friends, to our families, to the world. But we proclaim the truth not to inflict harm on the other. We proclaim truth not to dehumanize the other, but actually so that they can see and hear God's call to repentance, God's call to change. We don't want to be like Jonah, who actually wanted destruction and death for, 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 for the Ninevites. We want truth, but we also want, um, we also do it in love and in compassion so that people can experience repentance. People can um, experience change. The reality is, is that the cultural forces around us can rile us towards hate, rile us to respond, uh, respond to hate with hate, evil with evil. And we can, um, our anger can be escalated to, to, to wanting this kind of vigilante justice. seeking to inflict harm by our words, actions, or deeds. But that's not how God's justice and compassion works. And it's interesting, right, because you would think for someone like Jonah, who is a follower of God, a prophet of God, you would think that the repentance of the Ninevites would actually lead him to be happy and joyful, that he will be um, uh, elated at this um, uh, successful outcome. Instead, he's angry. He's annoyed. Why? 
and most likely it's because he's entrenched in an, in an ideology and a way of thinking that justice is more about an eye for an eye. Justice is about, um, is about, is about using our weapons and our anger to demean and trample others that have, that have, that have done the same to us. And why we live, we live in a day and age where our anger can be weaponized. That's not how God's justice works. Because punitive form of justice is really incomplete. It is just condemnation without room for redemption. It's incomplete when we condemn others without giving them the space or the ability to seek repentance, it's incomplete. That is not God's justice. That is not God's justice. That's, uh, that's not the way it works. God's justice is more about co confrontation that leads to redemption. It's making room for others to repent and to be redeemed by God. So we, we confront people with the truth, with truth telling so that they, there's room for repentance. This is exactly why, <laughs> this is exactly what Jonah does in the beginning. Um, we saw from last week's message that he shares this, he shares the truth with them. Shares the, 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 the reality of their situations, the, about their evil and, and their evil uh, leading to judgment and wrath. But in sharing that truth with them, they were able to kind of reckon with their past, reckon with their evil, and turn to God. You know, sometimes um, I think um, the, when we talk about grace and love of God, um, it could sometimes be thought of as soft and cute, right? We we can often think that God's grace is just, it's, it's very soft and just lovey-dovey and um, gives me goosebumps. And, but it's actually hard. God loves us that he actually shares his truth about us. He shares truth to us. God cared for the people of Nineveh that he actually shared truth to them. Now, if you remember, their response was in mourning. They responded in mourning because what they heard was so hard for them to hear. It was painful for them to hear. It's hard for us to confront the truth sometimes about ourselves. It's painful to hear that we are, just as Jeremiah 17 says, that we are deceitful and desperately weak, wicked. The truth hurts. 
That's why so many in this country cannot reckon with the past, uh, the, the racist past of this country, because it hurts. No one wants to hear that. It's painful. I don't know if you saw, like, just the, uh, the officers in Atlanta, just when they were kind of talking about this uh, murderer, um, this, this guy that, that killed eight women, he could not, it, it, it was just, it was ridiculous what he said. Almost making excuses for him. just cannot reckon with the truth of just the injustice and the racist attitudes, racist actions that this person committed. Because in many ways, it's, it is an indictment of themselves as well. It's hard to admit that. It's vulnerable because it requires relinquishing control to admit that kind, that level of brokenness. The same is true for us when we are confronted with the truth about ourselves. When we are offered critiques of, about maybe something we did that was hurtful or wrong. It hurts to hear that. It hurts to hear the truth about our darkness, about our evil, about our sins. We don't want to hear that. But we need to hear that. We need to hear that so that we can actually experience repentance and change. So that we can experience forgiveness. We need to hear that sometimes we're selfish. We need to hear that sometimes we, that, that I think about myself way too much than I think of others. We need to hear that so that we can experience God's grace and forgiveness. You know, when I think about um, just um, saints of, of the past and the scripture, when I, when I think about Moses, think about Isaiah, I think about how they themselves were confronted with the truth about themselves. When Moses was at the burning bush, he was standing by the burning bush. He was un unable to draw near to the bush. He was curious about the bush. And God was there in the bush. God was encountering Moses in that very moment. And he told Moses, you cannot move from where you are. Stay where you are. Take off your sandals because where you stand is holy. told Moses where he stood is holy so take off your sandals because you are in the presence of God this encounter with God was also a God confronting him about himself that he is too sinful to stand that close in the presence of God.
So what did Moses do? do Moses then, because of this, um, created the tabernacle where God's presence stayed with them, right? He, he instituted the priesthood, the, 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 the priesthood who mediated between God and the people. Because God was too holy, so they needed the priesthood. They needed the purification rites in order for them to stand before a holy God. This is God confronting people with truth and confronting them with love because he wanted to be with his people. But in order to be with his people, they had to know the truth about themselves. And that's why it says in Exodus 34, verse 6, he says that the Lord God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is exactly what Jonah quotes in his passage because he is flabbergasted. He's, he told God, I knew you were going to do this. I knew that you are a God of truth, but you are also a God of love. That you would relent from destruction because you love people. And this is the conundrum that, that, that Jonah faced. This is what we wrestle with. And honestly, this is one of the reasons that I, even myself, even as I was preparing this message, I was just reminded this is why I went into ministry. Because God and his holiness is so beautiful, he's so awesome, right? Um, I forget what scripture, but they call, it's called, he's called the unapproachable light. No one can see God and live. Yet he loves us and wants us to be near him. I think about Isaiah, Isaiah 6. He met God. He stood in the presence of God. Again, he is confronted with the truth about himself. And he, this is what he says, Isaiah 6 verse 5. Woe is me for I am lost I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean, clean, unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Woe is me, he says. He is confronted with his own sinful disposition. But God does not live, leave him in that state. God sends an angel with a burning coal to atone for his sins. God forgives him. And then thank God for Jesus. He sends Jesus to show us, to teach us that, yes, we are a people deserving of God's wrath. But yet, we are a people beloved by God. And this is why Jesus takes on the sin of the world and he is crucified so that he is a mediator for us. He is our priest to God. We are confronted with the truth about ourselves, God's holiness, deserving of wrath, 
right? Jonah is right. The Ninevites are deserving of wrath. And sometimes you are right. We are right. The people that have offended us, mistreated us, um, done things that are hurtful to us, offended us, they are deserving of wrath. Yet at the same time deserving of God's love. Gosh. <laughs> so then what, what does this mean for how we are to interact with those around us? One, it means that we need an encounter with God. We need to know God. We need to understand just how holy God is. We need to understand how sinful we are. But at the same time, we need to understand how loved we are. And when we do this, when we, when we know this, and when we live with others, when we interact with others, when we do life with people, we know to confront with truth, but also with love. We do this because we want people to come to repentance, to change. We do this because we want the systems of injustices in our world to change. So we confront with truth, and we do it with love. It means that when we are confronted with the truth about ourselves, by our spouses, by our friends, our roommates, our co-workers, that we are not quick to respond with hate, but we're quick to listen. Listen so that we can also move towards repentance change through God's love. So my friends, I pray that we embody this, that we encounter the person, the, the person of Jesus Christ who is sent for us so that we can actually be in the presence of God, so that we can know God and encounter God. And as we continue to live our lives with those around us that we can also confront people with truth receive truth and also give love while we receive love I pray that we all do this together amen <laughs>